0: Up and Adam some more exciting answers to the baffling and intriguing
1: questions of Science. Up and Adam. Science on FBI. Unfortunately, Dr. Alice Williamson could not make it into the studio today, but we do have our resident backup science person Tom Gordon in the studio. Hello. Hi, how are you? I am very, very good. Today is meant to be tough Tuesday, but I'm doing pretty well. I was actually going to talk to you about this because I've just been telling people on air without having any backup. Um, Do you think Tuesday is uh, the natural lull of the week?
0: Well, you've called it tough Tuesday, so it has it has to be. It's before Hump Wednesday, where yeah. everything turns around. It's just after. I, I'd I'd contest. That it's the lowest part. Monday perhaps is equal low. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll have to let's do some research, Ruby. We'll do some research and figure it out.
1: That's what I was gonna say because I've just brought this up and I've just been thrown around. Oh yeah, it's been scientifically proven, but um, I've just my own scientific uh, sort of things that I've been running, but um, like I feel like you kind of have the adrenaline of Monday. Because uh, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna start my week. Whereas Tuesdays, when reality just smacks you in the face. Yeah, it's
0: like the difficult second album, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: it's there not go. as good as the first one, <laughs> and it's just going downhill pretty much. Um, let's talk some real science now. Some really cool things have been happening. Firstly, you sent me this email and said you got really, really excited about it. There's a planet-hunting spaceship out there.
0: Yeah. So this uh, this is a NASA satellite. It's called. Tess, and before I start, I realise that every time I come in here as as backup scientist, um, I, I talk about a science thing, and I'm kind of sorry, but kind of a not because this is yeah a, yeah a space thing. Sorry, <laughs> uh, so yeah, sorry not sorry, but this one is really awesome. So this is called the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, or oh, Tess.
1: Oh, I was trying to work out what it's what it standing for. I thought it was like terraform (laughs) Earth spaceship.
0: (laughs) No, it's a transiting exoplanet satellite so it looks at transiting planets. Now this happened to me the other day and I'm sure you can relate. Where you're talking to someone outside and the sun's in your eyes so you move around so their head goes in the way of the sun so you can (laughs) see better. Yeah. Right? So you get some shade. That's a transit. So the, the other person's head is transiting across the sun so it lowers the intensity of light so you can see better. That's what happens with these planets. They move across in front of their star, lowering the intensity just a little bit, and we measure that lower lower uh, lower intensity. If we can see that lower intensity, we know that there's a planet spinning around it or orbiting around it, ah. and that's what this planet is looking for. So, it's kind of the second satellite. There's another one up there at the moment called Kepler. It's been up for a long while.
1: Oh, really? What's Kepler been up to?
0: Kepler's looking at one part of the sky... About this, it's in the the constellation Cygnus, the Swan. Uh, so if you look up there, it's about the same size as the Moon. The area of sky it's looking at, and it has found over. 2,300 planets just by looking at that one spot. Wow. And there's probably another 2,500 candidate planets. So that's Kepler, right? This TESS satellite is going to look at the whole sky, not just one part the size of the moon. It's going to look at the southern hemisphere in its first year and the northern hemisphere in its second year, looking at all of these different stars trying to find these transiting planets. It's going to hopefully... The way that we think about it, increase the number of exoplanets we have found from just about three and a half thousand to over two hundred thousand uh, exoplanets within, you know, our galaxy. This is just incredible. So many planets, and these are just the ones with planets that move in front of the stars, because yeah, so some of them will be orbiting in different planes that we can't see.
1: Oh, okay, so it, it senses the planets that are transiting. What does that mean if it's transiting? Is that a good thing, or is it just a thing? It
0: just means that the, the planet is orbiting around the star. And it goes in front of the star that we can see. Right. So okay. the intensity drops down a bit. All it means is that there's something moving in front of the star. Right. And if we know about the star and we know about the intensity, we can figure out that it's a planet. And oh. we can figure out how many planets. It's it's the, the most precise way we have of finding planets in other solar systems. Now, the coolest thing, I think, about this is that there's going to be so much data, so much information coming from this satellite, that what the satellite's going to do is process the data onboard the satellite before it sends it down to earth so instead of sending it down to earth and then have you know graduate students trying to sift through the data it's going to do the data pro- some data processing on the satellite before it sends it down so we've just got information about planets it just straight away does
1: all the homework this for is us. the
0: future of big data <laughs> astronomy this is how you have to do it because otherwise there's just too much information
1: That's nice. We don't have to hire so many people to uh, (laughs) just sit and go through paperwork.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it takes out a lot of the work of supercomputers here uh, on Earth. And it's it's a really good demonstration of how you have to do big science these days because there's just too much information. We can't deal with the information. We can't store the information that we get. So we're going to have to do processing, live, real-time processing of information before it even gets to us.
1: Wowza. And um, it, does, it, does it go out near the planets or does it just kind of go by? No, it's going to
0: be in orbit <laughs> pardon me, around Earth oh, and it's okay, going to right. be looking at a certain spot in the sky for about a week, two weeks, and then it moves to another Zoom spot in. of the sky for another week and two weeks. And then it goes to another spot in the sky. So in its first year, it will cover basically the whole of the Southern Hemisphere and the second year it moves to the Northern Hemisphere.
1: Um, you mentioned something before about exoplanets. Are they the planets that go in front of the star? Yes. Okay. And um, how did they uh, how did they find them in the first place?
0: There's a couple of different ways that we can find them. One of them is this transit method, where yeah. the planet goes in front of the star. Another one is uh, the the wiggle, right? So if if a planet is orbiting around a star, it's got a gravitational attraction to that star, just as the star has to the planet. So the the star moves the planet around orbit, orbit. I'm doing hand gestures. That's not good
1: for radio. <laughs> it's star, helping me understand, which is good. <laughs> the star
0: moves the planet around the orbit, but the planet also moves the star a little bit and it wiggles and you can see that wiggle. So what? if we can watch a star wiggle a little bit, we know that it's got a planet going around it.
1: And does that mean that uh, we should be checking it out to see if like, there's life on it and stuff like Absolutely. that?
0: Absolutely. So we found lots and lots of different planets, uh, mostly big planets hot Jupiter style planets but we've also found uh, a number a big number, I, I don't know the number off the top of my dome um, of planets that are about the same size as Earth, orbiting in about the same spot as Earth in comparison to its sun, it's called the Goldilocks zone, Ooh. where the temperature is not too hot and not, not too cold, cold. it's oh, I like just it. right, <laughs> yeah. and that's where we want to find a planet so that we can start looking if water or oxygen or carbon dioxide or different elements uh, in the atmosphere or on that planet that we could possibly uh, find life
1: so this test uh, could help us maybe eventually move to a different planet
0: it's going to help us (laughs) it's going to help us find different planets so that we can know more about how solar systems are uh, made about how our, our own earth is made and about how Yeah, solar systems and galaxies are formed.
1: Oh, that's very exciting. Um, Well, next we want to talk about tiny, tiny little robots that are fitting inside cells. Uh, You're right in the middle of Up and Atom, and I have Tom Gordon in the studio. Tom, you with me? I'm with you. (laughs) We're talking science. Uh, We were just talking about sending a little planet hunter into space, and uh, now we want to talk about nanomotors right is that what they're called
0: yeah yeah so um this is pretty exciting uh i was saying before that i I can't handle this anymore sometimes science (laughs) gets too cool i just can't handle it anyway i'm (laughs) I'm gonna have to bring myself together uh this is a yeah a nanomotor that has been guided inside a living cell um from outside so it's a little robot nanobot inside a cell that we can move around. It's from the Indian Institute of Science, and this research was published two days ago in the Journal of Advanced Materials. And the thing I like about this is kind of a mix between biology, chemistry, and physics, because we're trying to combine all of these things to solve big problems. Yeah. Yeah? So what this is, it's a little silicon uh, nanobot that's covered in a very, very thin film of iron, Right. Which is, you know, has magnetic properties, and with a magnetic field outside the cell, you can uh, move the little silicon nanobot oh. around inside the cell. Now, clearly, as uh, scientists or medical scientists, we want to be able to cure things or deliver drugs to people. Uh, or deliver drugs to individual cells, and we can do that. But if you put a drug inside a cell, it might block some of the other parts of the cell, um, or it might deliver the drug to the wrong part of the cell. Now, we can move this little silicon nanobot inside the cell to go exactly where it needs to go, or avoid where it doesn't want to go.
1: And then deliver the drug?
0: And deliver the drug to the part of the cell that it needs to. It's, it's just insane. I don't know how. We, anyway, whatever. It's very cool. What we can do is we can change the direction or the intensity or the size or the angle of the magnetic field to move this little nanobot around inside a cell. And what they've done as a technology demonstrator is they've managed to move the cell, uh, the, the nanorobot inside the cell to draw out the path of like an M or an N. What? Yeah so imagine like a little Strava app for like a cell it would it would make the letter m or n inside the cell by like remote controlling it. I've got this image in my head of someone with a m- remote control.
1: I have this image of um, like all of those cliches in TV shows and movies of the shrink ray where somebody's yeah. just built like a beep-boop-beep-boop robot and then they've just shrunk him down and be like, in you go. Or do you remember that TV show Osmosis Jones?
0: Oh, man, I love that show, yes.
1: <laughs> the little um, aspirin pill or whatever he was yeah. that would just stay in the body and just uh, uh, Drexanol, I yeah. think it was called <laughs> <laughs> so but it's not like that. It's actually just like a little iron silicony thing. It's
0: like yeah, a little silicon it's it's shaped like a corkscrew. So if you if you have the magnetic field in one uh, one direction, it will move in a corkscrew forward or you can make it go backwards if you change the magnetic field or you can change its direction so it corkscrews around in a corner just by changing the magnetic field. It's, it's insane.
1: You must have very uh, sensitive controllers then. You don't want to, <laughs> like, accidentally jerk the thumbstick too far to the left and it just shoots out of the cell.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Now, the, I mean, what we want to do here is obviously uh, deliver drugs to parts of the cell. Um, or in, in most cases, what it is, it's trying to avoid other parts of the cell that you don't want to destroy or deliver drugs to. But also even things like nanosurgery. Right. right. So actually fixing parts of of inside of the cell with a little nanobot by changing the magnetic field, like forcing this little nanorobot to go around inside the cell to fix parts of the cell inside the cell while it's alive. So things Insane.
1: like uh, like cancerous cells and stuff like that, would they be able to like go in and like cut it out and stuff?
0: so that's that's the dream. Yeah. Me. So at ideal. the moment, <laughs> at the moment, the uh, the nanobots have been done inside little uh, cancerous cells. So they got some cancerous cells from somewhere and tested this stuff, drawing the little M's and the N's inside cancerous cells, just to prove that they could.
1: Little circle with a line through it, like get rid of it. it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Go away, cancer cells. Oh, that's really cool. So, uh, I mean, bit of a... I always like to end on a really ridiculous question. Um, Are all doctors going to be replaced with tiny robots now? Is that what's happening? Oh,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) You heard it. That's what I... Yeah, all doctors. i just kind of be like,
1: hey, I feel like I have some water in my ear and then they'll just get in there and get it all out. (laughs) Is that the idea? Tiny little robots. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Those are two very fascinating stories and I love the way you get really excited about it as well. Makes me excited about I c- it. I
0: can't handle it. I can't, I can't stop it.
1: <laughs> Science is too cool. <laughs> well, you've definitely cheered me up for a tough Tuesday. I will um, hopefully see you soon. Yes. Well, I hopefully Alice back. Williamson is better. But yeah, I will hopefully see you soon.